to start? I think so. Uh, I'm Father Samuel Schneider, and this is Superior uh, Priest Podcast, uh, and I'm here with Megan McMeekin, the Coordinator for Religious Education here in Yokosuka, and what you heard was a song at the yeah. beginning. And I kind of want to just keep on listening to it, it but I think we song. probably need to, you know, uh, we'll let you listen to it. And what, what is it again? Megan? It's La Danse Macabre by, yeah. um, it's a, by a French composer, and it is the... Dance of All Hallows Eve of yeah. the spirits coming out at what we started with was sunset. Yeah, you heard the kind of soothing strains of sunset, and then yeah. everyone's starting to wake up to come kind out of, and yeah, uh, the nocturnal and, spirits and, uh, and work their mischief yeah. on All Hallows Eve. Yeah. Well, uh, it's definitely yeah, kind of giving that. I'm not a huge you know classical necessarily fan. Uh, I think because I don't understand a lot, you know, it doesn't have that connection in my brain, mm. but it was cool kind of having you explain it a little bit and then kind of imagine it. And it's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I see how this kind of fits together and it does, it, it gives a beautiful imagery. So. It really does. Um, I, again, I like was gifted with amazing teachers in my youth. Uh, I think it was my music teacher in grade school played it for us and mm-hmm. gave us a whole narrative about like imagining what was going on as we, she turned all the lights off in the music mm. room, and we just sat there, and she had us put our heads on our desk, and just, yeah. she played this song and walked us through this narrative, and it's always, I mean, you know, decades later stuck yeah. with me, and every Halloween I listen to this yeah. song, because it just yeah. is so perfect for the season, and the it just evokes so much. Nice. Well, that's good. It's a good way to start kind of as we start All Saints and All Souls Day yeah. is that it starts with Halloween. You it know, does. we have this uh, uh, kind of like Christmas and Easter. We have a very secularized type of an idea of this. But a lot of these things, again, have uh, a Christian origin that there's more to it than just trick or treat going around and getting candy. Right. Um, and it's often connected together. And so uh, you were kind of... Uh, remind yourself a little bit there's all hallows eve right which i'm not as familiar with did you so i mean all hallows so hollow the etymology of um it was like holy it means holy Holy. it's from old english old english so instead of holy holy, hollow is right so um another name actually for all saints day is hollow mass like christmas right it's that same kind of tie um so holy mass hol- yeah hollow mass ho- holy day yeah so um you and know it, all and hallows eve all hallows eve hallows the eve, eve is always like it's we the, have vigil, the, the vigil actually right is really what it is yeah. so just like we have christmas eve yeah. we have hollow mass eve yeah and because english is always evolving and shortening things because we're lazy so it got all Hallows Eve got shortened to Hallows Eve got shortened to Halloween. Yeah. And so now that's just what it's known as. Yeah, right. It's Halloween. And it's kind of taken on some of its own uh, uh, kind of uh, life of its own, if you might say. It has. I mean, it has origins. There's this idea that because All Saints Day and All Souls Day were coming up, that there was this kind of... Thinning of the veil, veil, right? right? Between the worlds of the spirit world and our world. And, you know, and all of this kind of really arose 
centuries ago. Yeah. So. And of um, course, it's tied in uh, as well with certain pagan festivals like as well. There's a lot of people. Samhain being yeah. the big Celtic festival that right. some people associate. Some people with associate. I, I mean, and there's certainly some evidence to point to that. There's some evidence that says, well, it's something more than yeah. that. Certainly, and it, certainly today we say that there's more to it than just that. But right. certainly, uh, that cultural, and I think one of that's one of the cool things about Catholicism is that. Um, and one of the effective means is that we actually, although there's not ancestral worship in the sense that uh, most kind of uh, naturalistic um, pagan, pagan religions, religions yeah. have, we do have an ancestral uh, respect. And so there's two different kind of, an- it's not ancestral worship again, but it's in- of saints, those who have done amazing, as well as the souls. So there's, we're respecting our ancestors who have gone before us. And so it it naturally ties into this kind of natural disposition to care for those who have gone before us, that we're connected with them and that uh, they're not gone and that we still have an obligation to them Mm -hmm. and that they still have a connection with us. Um, And so it, it fits very well with all saints and all souls and with just that understanding of kind of a Catholic belief of heaven and purgatory and hell um but uh yeah yeah so anyways all that there yeah. so there's a whole historical kind of aspect and it gets kind of mixed together sometimes in different cultures in different ways it does and i you know certainly when i was growing up halloween was the focus because i mean candy <laughs> i mean yeah I mean, as a kid yeah what's as most a child you're and, not really worried about those who've gone before you you're more worried yeah. about the here and now of getting candy of course of course and the whole dressing up even has, you know, historical reasons. People would wear masks to hide from the restless dead on mm-hmm. All Hallows Eve. And that's where our whole thing with dressing up for it yeah. came from. So I've also heard that sometimes uh, kind of the idea, there's a similar idea of gargoyles on cathedrals to right. kind of they scare scared away. scared the spirits away. Which is, I think is so funny. Like, yeah. we're going to scare away scary spirits by being even scarier. Right. Like, as if we can be scarier than a demon or something. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't think so. But as well as that kind of that physical scary. But there was kind of an idea of we're going to scare away the spirits, the, right. the spirits who maybe wish ill. Right. We're going to, or maybe we're going to kind of fit in. We're going to fit in. So they'll overlook us. So that they'll overlook yeah. us. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. And that they would, um, that so many of our like older churches are just festooned with gargoyles yeah, everywhere. Gargoyles everywhere. On the corners. And yeah. you a know. lot of them are practical kind of down. Some of them are. Yeah. But, they again what's beautiful about that is they needed a practical but they decorated it right. in a theological way yeah you know yeah yeah so I intentionality behind yeah, lots yeah. of things I, yeah there are a mix of them on churches many of them are downspouts and then there are some that are just either decorative or put there as a an homage to the, yeah. you know, tradition. Oh, traditional. Yeah, 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 exactly. It kind of fits in with yeah. the traditional. So all that to be said, so uh, Halloween um, is kind of that, again, that thinning of the veil, which I think is, uh, I've heard, is an Irish kind of, uh, you know, it's very... Probably. Um, well, yeah. as well, you were talking about that Samhain. Celtic... Yeah, which is Irish. Uh, Irish, the uh, yeah. Celtic guess, tradition is Scottish, Wales, Ireland. Yeah. That kind of area. And so there's this beautiful kind of idea of certain times of the year or certain moments even in life where there's a thinning the veil Uh between life and death, kind of the afterlife uh, and the world. 
And so on nights like All Saints Days and All Souls Days where there's this beautiful communal kind of connection mm-hmm. of prayer uh, both for and from, there is this fitting the, fitting, the, fitting the veil because there's so much interaction between the two mm-hmm. that it kind of opens up. Right. That other kind of the other side other side might you know kind of come in, uh, so I kind of I, I yeah I think it's a it's a cool idea. There's certainly something there. So yeah, and you know liturgically it's kind of these three days. Although liturgically, they're not Halloween is really kind of liturgically part of yeah. All Saints Day because right. it's, it's a Eve vigil, vigil mass. Yeah. And we have a vigil mass on Halloween for All Saints yeah. Day because All Saints Day is, of course... A holy day of obligation. A holy day of obligation. Yeah. Um, or as we like to say, an HDO, a holy day of obligation. Oh, yeah, 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 because we're military. Don't, yeah, so, don't yeah. mess with my acronyms, I'm sorry, man. acronyms, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, but I, also, I I was going to say I often try to phrase it Holy Day of Opportunity. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, cause yeah. It's, cause I mean, it's all about marketing. It's all about marketing. It's all yeah, about exactly. marketing. We give we give you more opportunities to be able to go to mass. I mean, yeah. you're obligated to go to mass, but but we're going to give you more opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And um, then All Souls Day follows All Saints. So All Souls now always falls on November first. Right. Right. It is an unmovable feast. Right. And um, and it would trump a Sunday if it. Indeed. I, I'm pretty, actually, I don't know 100%, but I think so. Anyways, it's not on a Sunday this year, so we So don't. we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah, and we have all, soul, all Saints on the 1st and then All Souls on the 2nd, but yeah. All Saints is the only day of obligation. Right, so it, it always confuses me a little bit because both are really big. And so I always get confused which one's first and, well, I'm really bad with dates and months in general, right? True. So trying to, trying to always remember that, but all, all Saints is on the first, the Holy Day of Obligation, and then All Souls come after it. And I think All Saints Day was established first, kind of in the calendar. Mm. And I don't know the exact reason, but it almost seems like, again, that thinning of the veil and we're going to be praying for all the saints. Well, what about those who aren't saints yet? You know, it's right. kind of not an afterthought. It well, it is an afterthought, but not a bad afterthought. But of hey, let's. What about those other ancestors that still need our prayers to make right. it to heaven? Kind of this progression of commemorating the ones who have made it, mm-hmm. and then the next day those. praying for those who are still in purgatory right. and trying to do what we can to help them right. Right. move With our along. Prayers. Yeah. 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 So for me, yeah, so the Holy Day of Obligation actually fits, which actually I didn't realize this until Father Mike Schmitz actually uh, pointed it out at one point, but Holy Days of Obligations are not on any penitential days. Mm. They're only on celebratory days. So that's one of the reasons why Ash Wednesday isn't a Holy Day of Obligation, because it's a penitential day. Right. And Holy Days of Obligation, although we might experience them penitential because we have an obligation, they're not obligations in a penitential character they're actually obligations of celebratory mm-hmm. it's such an important feast day that you need to celebrate it and the best way to celebrate it with it is mass right. that's the that's the way to kind of worship god and to, and to celebrate it wholeheartedly and so the church obligates us to go on all saints day because it's such a big feast day and we need to celebrate it the best way to celebrate is mass all souls day isn't obligatory even though it's really important because it's penitential, and so it's that individual nature um, 
that there there should be something that's done for those our ancestors to pray for them to offer up sacrifice and in fact the church offers a plenary indulgence on all souls day if you go and visit the graveside and pray for the faithfully departed you actually can receive a plenary indulgence for them Mm. Um, of course there's other things that go along with it you have to go to confession receive communion as well as pray for the intentions of the pope but the church kind of offers up uh opens up the doors for a greater opportunity of outpouring of grace upon uh, those who are in purgatory at that time. And uh, what was, yeah, so, so that's kind of the different focus. What well, Mass is also a good place right. to be able to pray, obviously, but also going to the gravesite, which I think, as I was kind of reading that, just again gives a, we're such a spread out, I'm thinking about it in Japan, I was like, I can't visit the gravesite, you know. And there's other... That's kind of the most common plenary right. indulgence. I'm sure that there's other plenary indulgences, which I haven't looked up yet. But. Yeah. Um, I. It's interesting, though. Living in Japan, mm-hmm. that's actually, you see a lot of the visiting of the graves here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, the On holidays, like solstice, actually, okay. yeah. is a very big day for Japanese to visit the, the graves of their dead. And you see a lot of attention paid to that on Because there's a lot of ancestral worship. There is. uh, You know, kind of uh, in Asia especially, uh, China and Japan as a whole. Um, But I also love All Souls Day. You know, we think often we have this idea of the perfect Catholic and being in purgatory and, like, then moving on to heaven. But it's actually for any baptized Catholic. Yeah. Even if you haven't received every sacrament yeah. or like, but anyone who is baptized, because again, as Mia, the previous CRE used to say to me, anyone who's baptized is Catholic, Megan, yeah. you can't wash it away. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Once you're baptized Catholic, you're always you're, Catholic. You're always Catholic. You're, you're just, in. Yeah. 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 You're in. You're in. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think is one of the, you know, we, we hope in the mercy of God and we don't presume upon it, which I think is one of the reasons why I really like All Souls Day, is because there's an intentionality of praying for the faithfully departed. And so there's not this presumption of, well, they've passed away, God is merciful, so they must be in heaven. Right. There's a, there's a reality of, well, I really love them, and they were a really good person, but guess what? Grandma Barfnick, you know, was a, was a, that's my, that's my grandma. My grandma's name, my, my mother's maiden name is Barfnick. I think I knew that, but I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, she was a holy woman, but, but she also had her faults and, and she, you know, as the last few years of her life, you know, she was like, please pray for me. You know, don't. Don't canonize me before I'm actually in heaven. Mm-hmm. Please pray for me because I think that we do. We've done a disservice at times in the in the modern age where we just kind of canonize everybody and say, "Well, I know that they're in heaven." Well, maybe we hope. We hope we don't know exactly how purgatory works, exactly how long it is, but it's much better to pray for them. Right. And if they are already in heaven, though, those those prayers will actually be applied to somebody else. Um, but we don't want to presume and let, you know, again, our, our ancestors kind of languish in, in purgatory because although they are able to purify themselves over a long time, our prayers are extremely effective of, at helping them in that purification process to be able to ultimately um, ascend to the he- heavenly realm. Right. So 
So I continue to pray for my grandma and uh, yeah, for all the faithful. Yeah, people. we were actually yeah we were actually talking right before we started yeah. recording that you know almost every mass actually I pray for my father and my grandmother. Yeah. Um, yeah. I pray for other people too, yeah. obviously, yeah. but every mass I think of my father. You know, and it's been a long time since he a while since he passed away, and it's uh, always still. You know, and I think also just speaking to the modern age of like, as soon as someone dies, suddenly they're perfect. Yeah, I actually eulogies and things. Yeah, and we want to we want to honor the best in them. We do, but I think that actually often takes away a lot of who they are. Mm. Being able to love someone in spite of their imperfections is a much greater love than just loving a perfect person. Yeah, and um, I think also seeing people for what they are and the struggles they have and how they work to overcome those lends a lot more to their humanity and the beauty of their good parts. I think it also helps us to kind of deal with, I think we can, uh, again, we were talking about this earlier today, comparison, Mm -hmm. kind of a healthy comparison. And we can sometimes, again, act as though our, our grandparents had perfect marriages, you know, and they had everything together and they, you know, knew what to do. Right. And they never kind of struggled in the way that we struggle. And we sometimes do that because we, we see everything. We remember everything good about them, which is awesome. But they also, you know, weren't perfect people. And they also struggled in a lot of the same ways that we did. And they didn't have a perfect marriage, but yet they still worked on it. And I think exactly right. You know, we kind of understand that that effort, that perseverance mm-hmm. is, is so important. And, that's, and it's kind of taken away if we kind of say, well, everything was, you know, they were... It was it was the holy family, you know, yeah. like they didn't have any issues. Well, then, yeah, there's not as much kind of there's not yeah there's a there's a different m- memory there. So yeah. Anyways, praying for the dead, remembering remembering that they need purification, that we ourselves need purification as well, is is important. Hopefully, in that in that yeah. humility and that honesty and truth. Yeah, and you know, you can also do it like. Obviously, through prayer, mm-hmm. going to mass and offering yeah. your ma- you know, like your offering mass. your personal mass. You can also right. have the priest specifically you offer can. the intention for that. In other parishes, it'll be a small stipend, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a small donation, which actually priests used to survive on. Right, uh, they were only paid by stipend. That was the only salary that they had, and so the Vatican actually regulates that how much a priest can charge for a stipend interesting as well as there used to be priests who accepted too many and and so the church actually regulated that to say you can only get paid for one mass a day so so if you have multiple masses like i used to have three masses on sunday i had three mass three um three intentions mm-hmm. for those three different masses and everybody paid a stipend. I only got paid for one of them mm. and the other two were given as donations to other people. I couldn't get paid that, but I would offer the intention for that. And part of the donation of the stipend was a unification to that mass, a unification to kind of the sacrifice. Even as Americans, it's a very small stipend. Right. For other people, it might be, a, you know, other countries, it might be a little bit more. But there's this, again, sacrifice kind of of almsgiving Right, I was going to uh, say almsgiving, yeah, almsgiving is, is, one is a powerful, way to do it yeah. as, what, yeah. as well. Which has yeah. been abused in the church. Uh, we think it about, has been. Think about the Protestant Reformation. Part of the big push was uh, almsgiving for, for uh, 
plenary indulgences. Right. So it was selling grace. Well, it's yeah. not selling grace. I mean, it was sometimes kind of seen that way, but the the solid theological foundation is almsgiving is an incredibly powerful, purifying thing because right. we often make money our God. And so when you give alms, you're making this beautiful sacrifice of love. And if you offer that sacrifice for the souls of the faithfully departed in purgatory, it's a great purification. Now, it was clearly abused in certain ways, but mm-hmm. that but that foundation is still certainly presently there and still present within the church uh, because it's solid theological ground, even if it is abused um, in certain trains of thought. Right. Okay. Yeah. I would think that the Reformation, the reaction was more to the abuse. Than the yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Giving. Although, yeah. you know, a lot of the times there's a baby out with the bath water. There is. So, uh, yes, there's kind of some things. Uh, so, yeah, there's not as much praying for the souls of the faithfully departed because also Protestants don't believe in purgatory. So that was kind of something else that was thrown out with the baby at the bathwater because purgatory is somewhat difficult. And it's, it's difficult right. to understand that um, as a whole, which we don't have enough time to talk about purgatory as a whole. Just pray for the dead. Uh, I think purgatory is a little bit difficult, but it... it it's hard. It is yeah. a hard concept when you look at someone yeah. who you see or you believe has lived a very good and holy life. Um, I think back to our family nun, who was maybe the most sacrificial person I've ever met. She was a very humbling person to be around because she had a a purity and grace that was just, it's just hard to describe what it was. It was beautiful. And um, to think of her being in purgatory that everyone's got to make a pit stop in purgatory, even Sister Ann Montgomery. Mind-blowing that that woman's in purgatory. You know, maybe she's not at this point. Um, Maybe she just had a real quick stopover. But to think that... But it's easy, again, going back to comparisons, to look at her life and say, yeah, like, you know, but also nobody's perfect. Except Mary. Mary. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a hard... It, one, of, one of the phrases or kind of ways I like to look at it as well, I can't remember who who brought this up. I can't remember this writer or talking to family or friends or whatnot, but uh, purgatory is an incredibly consoling um, idea as well because there's not this binary either heaven yeah, or hell like right. either i'm good enough and there's the just the razor edge you know type of an idea of which way i'm going to go because most of us recognize like have mercy on me lord yeah. for i am a sinner and 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 we recognize our sin and we say well shoot i'm not ready for heaven you right. know i'm not i'm not perfect enough i'm not you know i, I haven't gotten there yet but mm-hmm. i also don't think i should go to hell and purgatory is a it's the medium place. It's the medium place, which uh, which helps purify and ultimately lead us to heaven, thankfully, in a merciful way that God allows so that we can actually enjoy heaven to the fullness of what it is. Right. And I, I think, too, my thinking has changed on purgatory a little bit as well mm-hmm. because a lot of pul- popular culture and stuff, you know, purgatory is a place of punishment. Yeah. And I don't... I think that shouldn't always be the way it's thought of right. either. It is a, it's a place of purging. Purifying, so, yeah. yeah. So purgatory, purging, purging it comes from the same yeah. root. Yeah. 
and just also thinking of it in a little bit of a different way is yeah. not being yeah. it not being hell light but yeah. <laughs> being actually you know actually some of the uh, saints some it, of the saints said it, it's just as painful as hell but there's hope yeah and that changes everything that about changes it. everything because it's actually for it's, a purpose it's like prep school yeah. for uh for heaven <laughs> It's like a good practice before a football game <laughs> there you or go. wrestling. It's you know, it's just it's hellish, but uh, but there's a purpose for it. Right. And so when something has purpose, it's amazing how much it changes in light. Uh, when something is purposeless, it doesn't even have to be that difficult, and yet it's it's uh, it's very disheartening. Yeah. Whereas something can be incredibly difficult, but if it's it's for something important, it's you know it's doable. And that changes the the light completely. Yeah, it really does. I, yeah, life without purpose is just it's, it's rough. Really terrible. That was the worst thing about the beginning of the pandemic for me. Yeah. Was just being shut down with nothing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that yeah. was a uh, oof. Very rough time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, kind of what other things, uh, kind of about um, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, All Saints, or All Souls' Day, was there anything else that kind of stuck out to you? The only other thing, not really stuck out, but uh, just looking, you know, I was looking at the calendar, the liturgical calendar, and, you know, Halloween, ordinary time, we're going to be rocking green that day. Then we roll into... All Saints, which again, celebratory life, beautiful, so it's white. And um, then All Souls, purple. So, uh, which is a Lent color Mm -hmm. and an Advent color. Right, which are times of penance. Yes. So, penitential character. Yeah, so it has this penitential character. And I, I think I just hadn't thought of it like that progression just seeing it on the calendar was interesting to me too like this day of celebration and feast followed by purple like right there and um because usually purple leads up to the white (laughs) yeah 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 that's true and there's very few days outside of advent and lent that you wear purple yeah very, I can't very actually cute. think of any because no feast days or saints days. It's only penitential character. And so I don't know if there's another. I mean, yeah, because I, I think of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Again, That's I think that's red or white. It's not penitential yeah, character. Yeah, no, it's even not. Because it, it's celebratory, the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of any other outside of that. I want to say it's red. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exaltation of the cross. Yeah, it's certainly not purple. Um, so, uh, funerals, in fact, can mm. be purple or black. Now, again, most are done white, partly for a celebration of life. So there's kind of been kind mm. of, a, as opposed to praying for the souls and kind of acknowledging, there's an acknowledgement of the sorrow, certainly, I think, but there's kind of like, is kind of, we, we, again, we don't like to look at dead bodies. We don't like to, you know, deal with death. We don't want to think about kind of the penitential character or where we just want, you know, celebrate life that they're in heaven, um, which I think is sometimes, again, a disservice. I have seen some priests do it well, like, especially sad uh, or grieving, uh, grieving loss of a, 
when a child, you know, when an older person dies who's lived a full life, Mm -hmm. I think there is a beauty of kind of celebration of life, kind of white. There is kind of a a thankfulness for their life, their long life. Right. uh, where I've seen it used well of more penitential or even just somber, even black, is when a child dies, you know, kind mm-hmm. of unexpectedly, or a suicide. You know, these are just things that that shouldn't be. And so there's a there's an overwhelming sorrow, and I think that it's right not to kind of paint it up and say, "Hey, let's celebrate life. Mm-hmm. Let's let's grieve." There's a real grief here, right. and and we're going to walk through that. And so that is at funerals sometimes, although very rarely. Maybe some priests use it more. I don't think I, I think I used black for one funeral my three years in a parish mm. because the wife specifically asked for it. Um, wife or mother? I think it was a mother. I can't remember. Shoot. I remember. It, it's yeah. okay. It's been a while. It, it's okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, so that's the only other time that we would uh, use those outside of. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Colors. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? <laughs> well, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but the Catholic Church, super into the symbolism. Yes. yes. And super so, you know, not completely surprising. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, good. Well, uh, I hope that you're able to celebrate All Saints and All Souls Day. Um, We're going to be having uh, multiple times offered for All Saints as well as uh, an opportunity for All Souls Day. So please join us for that. Please pray for your dad. And if you're able to, visit the grave sites uh, and at least pray for our faithfully departed. Uh, We're going to finish with uh, the song... The Dance Macabre. The Dance Macabre. And we're going to finish where basically all throughout the night of All Hallows' Eve, the the thin veil, the spirits have been going. They've been know. out. They've been dancing and yeah. just frolicking about in every way they can. Because it's dark out. And, and then... yeah. And now we're going to finish with the end. And if they're still dancing and going, but you'll if you listen, you'll hear the bassoon play the... Uh, the crow of the rooster ending the evening and signaling the sunrise which then leads to everyone going back into their nooks and crannies for another year and hiding away so it's about 30 seconds and we'll finish with that all right all right take care